Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. You know, that idea of push to start, you know, you have to, you know, push. Uh, My car now doesn't have a key, it has a push to start button because, you know, it takes too long to put a key in and turn it. We're, We're obsessed with speed, aren't we? We're, we're so obsessed with speed. In fact, we, I think that as a society, we've come to the place where we're actually more obsessed with speed than direction. That we're actually more obsessed with this idea of getting fast and being fast than where we're actually going. So when it comes to wanting to eat something, we're more concerned with getting fast food and not getting put into the you know, the parking bay and how fast is it than the actual content of the food that we're consuming. When it comes to the, to the internet, we're concerned with, you know, the download speed and are we going to be able to watch our movie seamlessly without that annoying little buffer thing come up, you know, on the thing, rather than being concerned about the content of what we're trying to download and is that actually edifying our soul or is it leading us to a place of depression and anxiety? We've come to a place where we're more concerned with speed than direction, with speed than, than substance. But if we are only concerned with speed and we forget about the direction, then all we're going to do is end up in the wrong place faster. Or we're going to end up just going back and forth, so focused on speed without ever making it to our ultimate destination. So there are two ways to increase your speed. One is via push and the other is via pull. And so we have this idea of, you know, that... We need to push things to get them started. But my hope is, my prayer is for today, is that you will see that the pull can actually be more powerful. So for those that are still obsessed with speed, we're going to go through some differences between push and pull. So if I can have that first photo up. Thanks. This is Jeremy. He's the fastest person in our church. I don't know if you know that. So uh, back when I taught him in in year four, I think I was probably a little bit faster than him. But then since puberty hit, uh, he's got faster, I've got slower. And uh, so he is the fastest, you know, I don't know, is there anyone that wants to challenge him on the lawn afterwards to see who is actually the fastest person in the church? Any, Any takers for that? No? Timothy wants to... Okay, so after the service, Timothy and Jeremy are going to have a race on the lawn to see who is the fastest person in our church. But Jeremy can push himself up to 35 kilometers an hour. But if we're going to have the next one up. No, not that one, the video. We'll go to that one. This is 
a peregrine falcon. And it uses the pull of the gravity to not just make it to 35 kilometers an hour, it can reach speeds of 290 kilometers an hour. It is the fastest animal ever. All right, now we'll go to that next one. So we're back on the push. This is called the Devel 16. It has 5,007 horsepower. It has an 81 millimeter quad turbo 12.3 liter V16 engine. It is the fastest road vehicle and it can push itself using all of that 5,000 horsepower to a speed of 558 kilometers an hour. 558. Also on the push, we have a rocket. So the next one, this is the, uh, if we can have the next picture up. No, not that one. That one. This is the X-15 hypersonic rocket. It's, a, it's um, piloted by a person uh, and when William J. Knight piloted it back in 1967, he set uh, the record at 7,274 7, kilometres an hour. The fastest push that we could make. However, that doesn't set the record for the fastest speed that any human has ever travelled. If we, Now we can go to that next one. So this is the, the crew of the Apollo 10. In the space mission in 1965 that went to the moon, you can see uh, the rocket ship in the background there. And even though it used most of that space to push it up out of the atmosphere, that's actually not how it set the speed record. It actually wasn't using any engines at the time that it set the speed record because, again, the power of pull was so much greater and it set the record with no thrusters, with nothing on, just being pulled back into the Earth's atmosphere and it reached a speed of 39,897 kilometers without any engine. All right, next one. This is the Earth. The Earth spins on its axis at 1,670 kilometers an hour. But then it spins around the sun at 107,000 kilometers an hour. And it goes through the solar system, through space, at 720,000 kilometers an hour. And all by the power of gravity. There was a push to start by the pull to finish. So when it comes to speed, 
The pull rather than the push wins the day. But more than that, there's something different with a push to a pull because with a push, you get pushed in whatever direction the strongest force is coming from. So one day it could be here and the next day it could be there, but with a pull, you are always pulled towards the one with the the most weight, the one that is doing the pulling. And so all of those big numbers and all that science and all that kind of stuff, all of that was driven by the fact that our earth has gravity, that our moon has gravity, that our sun has gravity, that our solar system has gravity, and it's all pulling us towards the greatest weight in the universe. Now... If you follow the world's top scientists, 2,300 years ago, you would have believed that the earth was flat. 500 years ago, you would have believed that the earth was the center of the universe. If you follow the world's top scientists, 25 years ago, when I went to university and studied science, we were told beyond a shadow of a doubt that the universe was 3.8 billion years old. But in recent weeks and months, there's been more and new discoveries that have now said that the earth is, oh, sorry, that the universe is 11 billion years. So just in the space of 25 short years, they've wiped off 3 billion years off of what they knew to be true. So I think give it a few more years and they might just end up discovering that maybe the Bible is actually true in the first place. Because whether it was 2,300 years ago or 500 years ago or 25 years ago or today, we have always believed that God is at the center of everything. That God is at the center of everything that we do. So whether you believe in the Big Bang or whether you believe in the Bible, which actually says this before all of these scientific discoveries discovered supposedly for the first time all of this in Isaiah 40:42 it said he sits above the circle of the earth its inhabitants are like grasshoppers in other words we are just small that the universe is actually so big before they even knew that the universe was big it says that he stretches out the skies the space like a curtain And he spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. So whether you believe in the Bible or whether you believe in the Big Bang that nothing exploded and made everything, both agree that there was a push to start. Whether it was at the hand of God that stretched everything out or whether it was by this nothing exploding into everything, that there was a push to start, but now there's this gravitational pull with things that have weight to the end. And some of you might be saying, well, it sounds like a really nice science lesson, Josh, but I'm not here for science. This is church. We're here for God. I've got all these issues and problems in my week. You know, why does this matter? How does this affect my life today? Well, I believe that God has designed 
and orchestrated the universe to point us to Him. That we will actually allow Him to have the greatest weight in our lives. In Acts 17, it says this, The God who made the world and everything in it, this master of sky and land, He doesn't live in custom-made shrines, nor does He need the human race to run errands for Him as if he couldn't take care of himself. He makes the creatures, the creatures don't make him. Starting from scratch, he made the entire human race. And he made the earth hospitable, with plenty of time and space for living, so that we could seek after him. Not just grope around in the dark, but actually find him. He doesn't play hide and seek with us. He isn't remote he is near. Do you know that He is near today? Because this idea of gravity and this idea of the pull suggests that the nearer that you are to something, the more attracted you are to it. And so maybe today you find yourself in a place where you feel as though you're not near to God. But can I tell you, if you're in that place today, God is drawing you, He's pulling you towards Him today. That God has a weight that outweighs anything else in our universe and He's wanting to draw you. He is near. He has weight. And He's created plenty of time and space. Not time and space to be worried about rushing here and there and doing this and that. But plenty of time and space, as that passage said, to seek Him. That that is the best use of our time and that it was the best use of space, of all the expanse of the universe, He created that so that we would seek Him, so that we would see that we are not the center of our own universe. So, if He made the universe with a push to start and a pull to finish, then maybe we need to live our lives in that same way. But how do we do that? And I think quite often we can get things a little bit wrong. Quite often we feel the push at the start and we think that that is what life is all about. And so Jeremy, seeing that you're the fastest one, can you come up here really quickly? Because you can get up here really quickly. Just, just have a warm up because you're going to have to beat Timothy. Yep. So... I'm going to get you to um, give me a little push on this swing. So if you can come around the back here. You see, because right now, I'm just, I'm motionless. Yeah, yeah, give me a push. Yep, a little bit more. Yeah, a little bit more. Great. If you can just keep doing that, that's, that's fantastic. Because here's the thing. We, we feel as though we need a push to start. Whatever we do, we want a push to start, don't we? It's easier to let him do it than for me to do it. It's, we want to push to start. But that can be good things and bad things. So good things, uh, we, we want to push to, to make a decision to follow Christ. And so at the end of the service, we kind of give a, a call where we're kind of saying, hey, you might not feel as though you're good enough. You might not feel as though you're that close to God. But we're here to give you a, a little push to, to cross that line of faith. Or sometimes, you know, people may approach you, the Holy Spirit may 
may push you a little bit towards serving because you wouldn't naturally serve on your own because you don't feel good enough. And so we need a, we need a push to start. But also there's a whole lot of negative things that we need a push to start. So to start a pornography addiction, we need a phone with unrestricted access that our parents are not going to check or look up. So that gives us a little push to start that. That when it comes to a toxic relationship, we kind of know that that guy is not the best. But if he treats us well at the start, if he, if he says nice things and buys us something nice, then that gives us a little push to start and enter into that toxic relationship. If we have an anger issue, we needed a push to, to start. We needed something to, some trauma, something to make us feel fear, to make us feel vulnerable. And we didn't want to stay in that place of fear. So we needed that push to start us off with that anger issue. And the problem isn't the push to start. The problem is, is that because we get so focused on the speed that happens with that initial push, we keep going back and we keep just covering the same ground over and over again. We, we feel as though we need to go higher, we need to go faster. And so we keep returning to the push. We feel as though life is all about being pushed in, not in the right direction, but in any direction. Because at least there's speed, at least there's motion, at least something is happening. Thank you, Jeremy. You can grab your seat. So Jesus, on the other hand, is a gentleman. Unlike Jeremy, he won't keep pushing. He won't keep pushing. He might push us to start, but he will pull us to finish. And if that's the way that Jesus works, then that should be the way that our church works too. And hopefully that has been your experience. So when it comes time to giving, to serving, we're here to encourage you. We're here to, to push you across the line, to to give you that initial encouragement, but we don't want to stay in that place where our whole life as a church leadership is just pushing you, pushing you, pushing you towards faith to try and get you to go in that same direction. We push you to start, but then we want the love of God, the cause of Christ to pull you, to be attractive to you that's going to pull you in his direction, the direction that he wants you to go. So the enemy, on the other hand, he loves to just keep pushing. He loves us to just keep going over and over the same ground again and again and again. And so even when we, we try to to slow down the pace, even when we, when we, when we try to, 
just slow things up. You know, we start to drag our heels and we start to, to do things that are going to cause us to slow the, the pace of, of these addictions and these things that, that aren't right. All of a sudden, we notice that he comes along and he gives us a little push, doesn't he? So just when we're starting to have success in dealing with this pornography issue, all of a sudden, you know, we, we discover that we've now got, you know, Wi-Fi, free internet on at home. We discover that there's a new free porn website and seeing that we aren't paying for it, well, that doesn't make it bad, does it? It gives us just a little push to keep us swinging, keep us going over the same ground. That when we're trying to get our anger issue under control, it seems as though everything is going against us and all our buttons for that week are being pushed to get us back into that place. That just when we're ready to break off that that toxic relationship, he comes along and he gives us a little push and he says, you don't want to be stuck on the shelf, do you? You don't want to be left behind, do you? He's got a good heart. He'll get there in the end. Just keep pushing. And so we go through life covering the same ground, allowing ourselves just to be pushed and pushed and pushed over and over again. And even in our Christian walk, we can be more concerned with speed than direction. We can get stuck on that swing and the desire for a constant push comes up and we can lose sight of God's destination that He is pulling us towards and focus instead on our goal. So, for instance, with our money. Now, is there anyone in the auditorium right now that has a $100 note or a $50 note on them right now? Anyone have one? Roger? Yep. Someone that can come up here, bring it up here. Who's coming up? You're going to come up with, come up with Archie? Oh, Roger's going to come up? <laughs> All right, come up on the stage here. All right. Okay, can you, yep, just stand over here and just hold that out, ready for me to grab it. All right. All right. Oh, there we go. Even more incentive. All right. Can you, are you able to push me or not? First time on stage, Archie. Okay. So here's what we do. We kind of say... We, we have this goal, don't we? That if, even with our giving to God, that if we could just reach far enough, if we can just, if we can, uh, if we can just, uh, if we, that, oh, almost got it. Just push a bit harder. Just, just push a bit harder. And, oh. So you kind of get the idea that on this end, we, we reach. And we say that when I can reach that, then I'll have everything that I need. When I can reach that amount of money, when I can reach that goal, have that money, amount of money in the bank or earn that amount of money per year, I can, I can reach for the things that I want. 
or, or we work on this end and we try to make God's hand push us. And we try to say, I will tithe once I earn enough money. So we want the hand of God to, to push us towards wealth. But have a look at what it says, if we can have that scripture up on the screen. It says, he said to his disciples, I assure you, it is difficult for a rich man who clings to the possessions and the status and the security to enter the kingdom of heaven. So why would God ever push us away from him and towards something that's going to make it harder for us to get to our destination. He wouldn't. Thanks, guys. You can grab your seats. Thank you. Take your money back. So if you're feeling that push towards money or feeling guilt when those bags come by, you're, you're feeling this, the push of guilt, the push of what are the expectations of others, that's not the hand of God. The hand of God does not push us. His love draws us. And what about serving? So often we want to push to serve. Because we have this idea that once we've served enough people for long enough, that we'll get to our true destination where others will in turn be the ones doing the serving of us. We're reaching on this end for, for acceptance, for, for acceptance of God. I, I'm, am I doing a good enough job, God? Have I, have I made it? Can I, can I reach for your love, for your acceptance? So we reach for status, we reach for control. And we just want to keep pushing and pushing and pushing until we can finally reach that destination, reach that goal that we've so longed for. But whilst we may need a push to start, the pull of our true identity and acceptance in Christ is what will lead to our ultimate destination of eternal acceptance into His presence. Plenty of time and space, remember, to seek Him. He is near. He is drawing us to Him. And maybe it could be when it comes to this idea of serving and the constant push to serve and to even serve God and even serve in church, maybe you've had the wrong view of eternity like I have in the past too. You see, I understand that in Matthew twenty twenty eight, he said, for even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served, but to serve and give His life in exchange for the salvation of many. 
And so I understand the importance of the cross. I understand that it is only by the cross that I can be saved. It is only by the cross that I can make it to my destination. That I can't sit on this swing and just go back and forth. That I have to, to do something. But I still kind of had this idea that the cross was this point in Jesus' life that was kind of the, the peak, the, the high point of his life. So he, he pushed himself, he, he pushed himself to the cross, he pushed himself to this ultimate act of service so that we could have a place to come and be in heaven with him so that then we would all be available to serve Him. And quite frankly, nothing would give me greater joy than to spend eternity serving someone like that. But here's the thing. I think that that's that same push and push mentality even with our service even with our service of God and I think that we've even had a wrong picture of the cross because we like to say see how much I'm serving you God see the push see how you know again in, in my context I, I like to say God see how much I've given up for you I gave up my career as a geologist where I could have made a lot of money. I gave up my career as a teacher. I, I gave up all this stuff. I, gave, I give up my nights, my, my weekends. I give it up for you to serve your people. I, I'm pushing as hard as I can, God. And I'm, I'm pushing because I'm believing that there's a, that there's a point where I'll reach that maximum height, just like you did on the cross, that will allow everything to come back and swing back, and then everything will serve me. Surely there's got to come a day where it comes back to me. And, and I know that that doesn't sound right. I know that that doesn't sound like who God is, but isn't that what happened on the cross? Wasn't that the high point? Wasn't that the pinnacle? Didn't He serve in that one big way so that for all eternity we can all serve Him? Now, I want to read a passage of Scripture to you that shattered my way of thinking. And it's a scripture that I've read a hundred times and probably half of you in this room have read it a hundred times. But when I read it just a couple of weeks ago, I had one of those mouth open moments. Do you know what I mean? The, the moment where all of a sudden you're not so worried about the speed anymore and it's like time stops. Where you just, like maybe the first time when you saw fireworks as a kid, and you just stand there. Or just recently, we went, uh, took our 
our family of, of five, we went up to, to Queensland, to the Gold Coast, and we went to this place called Infinity. Has anyone ever been there on the Gold Coast, Infinity? And they have this room there that's all made of, of mirrors. The walls are mirrors, and the, the roof is mirrors, and the floor is mirrors. So when you walk into there, and you stand there, and you look down, it's like you're not standing on anything, but you can see down into eternity. And in that moment, I just stood there, mouth open moment. And this is what I did, and this is the experience that I want you to have around this passage of Scripture. It's from Luke 12. It's the words of Jesus. And he's saying, be prepared for action at a moment's notice. That sounds like we need a push. We need to get into action. Be like servants, anticipating the master's return. Yes, we are servants. We are, we, we're, we're pushing that, that servant thing. Yep, we understand that. Awaiting their master's return from a wedding celebration. Okay, we understand that this idea of wedding and, you know, the marriage supper of the lamb and all that kind of stuff, that he must be talking about eternity. That's the picture that he's trying to create. They are ready at a moment's notice to unlock the door and open the door to him. What a great joy is ahead for those who stay awake and wait for their master's return. Then get this. He himself will become their servant and wait on them. He himself. The master. Jesus, God himself. In eternity. Is going to serve us is gonna. Uh, I mean, my mind was blown just to the thought that there's this, there's this marriage celebration, there's this wedding feast, and I get a seat at the table. That you get a seat at the table. I mean, isn't that amazing enough? But to know that the Master, that that God, is gonna be the one serving us. That, as blasphemous as it sounds to say. That the cross was not just some high point. It wasn't just something that he was pushed into by the Father. It wasn't about a push to get you across the line. It is who he is. It is the weight of the cross that is a constant draw, that is a constant pull, that is supposed to be constantly attractive to you, that you can't help but move towards it. It, it didn't just happen 2,000 years ago and then retract and, and pull back. God didn't pull back. He's never pulled back. That just as the moon keeps spinning around the earth and the earth keeps spinning around the sun and the sun keeps being pulled through the galaxy and shot into the universe with that same power, with that same intensity is God's love for you today. He's never drawn back. We need to allow the cross to have that weight that pulls us 
with a gravity that is undeniable, that didn't just push us once, that didn't just push the Son of God once to one act of love. No, His love has weight. It has gravity. His service has love. His service has weight. It has gravity. His generosity has weight. It has gravity. And it's supposed to pull you today towards Him. So we don't just find God useful. We need to find God beautiful. We need to find Him attractive and let that attraction draw us to Him. Because a push only works so far and then we have to go back to the push if we want to keep movement going. But a pull The idea with gravity is that it keeps pulling and pulling and pulling into the center of who it is, of where the most weight in your universe is. So yes, you may need a push to start. But we need the pull of attraction of God's love to draw us to Him each and every day. Day, each and every moment, not just in a one-off event. But even that pull can be misused. Remember in that passage it said that God is near. That when God is near, the attraction is the greatest. Whenever we get close to Him, we actually see more and more how beautiful He is. That just as, you know, as we approach different things in our universe that have mass, that have weight, it's attracted to us. That things with mass and weight, the closer that they are, the more they're drawn to it. Which is how that Apollo 10 rocket was able to generate such speed, such, such power, just through the power of attraction. The closer it got, the faster it became. So we too need to make sure that the closest thing in our world is God. That if you're not finding Him attractive today, it's not because He's not attractive, it's because you're distant. It's because... You've moved into the sphere of letting other things, letting the things of this world start to attract you instead of God. So many of you were here or saw maybe online that a few weeks ago I did a sermon and I had those scales, remember? And I put a weight, big weight in one end and I said... That the weight of eternity needs to govern everything that we do. That your universe actually works best when God is at the center. When God has the greatest pull and has the greatest weight. And don't we, now as the, the older generation, I'm putting myself in that category because I can't beat Jeremy anymore. Don't we like to look at the young people 
and say, they're so entitled. They think that the universe revolves around them. But how did they get that way? What did we expect when, as a society, when, as a generation, we have taken more and more weight away from God and placed it onto the comfort of our own lives? How then can we blame this generation lost in space that has had the weight of God taken away from them to then turn around and blame them when we've been the ones making the decision? But I'm here to say today that we can put the weight back, the weight on God, the weight on God's Word, and most importantly, the weight on His beauty. If we can have that next picture up. Many of you might know this is Eric Liddell. And in 1924, he was tipped to be the fastest man on earth. No one was faster than him. He was going to win the Paris Olympics that year. And I say going to win... Because he decided not to run. Because he didn't respond to the push of the world around him to be focused just on speed, to be focused on the fact that he would be the center of his own universe, that he could be crowned the king, the fastest man on earth. But purely because the heat to get into the gold medal run was on a Sunday. The weight of his world was such that he would forego the push that was coming, that he would forego all the, the, the push that was coming for him to race. And he would say, no, Sunday is a day to worship God. Now, if that would happen today... The world would reject him. They would laugh at him. They would say, just run on the Sunday and watch the service online afterwards. They would say, don't you know that you can earn time and a half for working on a Sunday? Can't we just push these kids towards doing jobs on a Sunday, because isn't that more important? Can't we just, you know, can't we just go camping at Easter? Isn't that what Easter's really about? And every time we make one of those decisions, we take the weight off of God and we put it onto our comfort. And then we wonder why a generation feels entitled. Because all we've done is strip the weight off and off and off and off of the one who's supposed to carry the most weight in the universe. You see, in our universe, we kind of want God to be there and we want Him to have a bit of weight, but we kind of want Him to be like the moon. 
You see, the moon is there and it has a little bit of gravity because it has a little bit of weight. And it spins around and it makes the tides go up and down, pulls the water, has a little bit of weight. And what we want is we want God to be the moon so that the tides of of morality, the tides of blessing will wash up upon our shore of our world where we are still the center. But God is saying, no, that is not where I belong. Let me say it to you this way. Imagine if you had a child that played football. And all of a sudden, a four-year-old kid who knows nothing about how to play football comes up and says, your child is the best football player I have ever seen. You might be like, oh, nice to know. But then if their coach says, your child is the best football player I have ever seen, all of a sudden we start to take a bit more notice. But then if the top AFL scout comes up and says, your child is the best child for their age that I've ever seen. They have so much potential. All of a sudden, we spring to action, don't we? Because of the weight of the one saying it. So why is it that then, whenever we have opportunity to do this, or go to that party, or have that you know, fun and do that thing, we're immediately there. But the moment that the Holy Spirit prompts us, or someone comes up and encourages us to move towards God, who should be the center of the universe, we say, I'll pray about it. But we can flip the script. We can start to add weight back to God. Where all of a sudden, whenever there's an opportunity, whenever there's an opportunity to come into this place and worship God, we are the first ones there. Whenever there's a nine o'clock communion service, we're forsaking all else to get there. Whenever there's an all-in night, we want to be there because we want to worship God with all that we are. Because all of a sudden, we're placing more weight back onto God and who He is. And when it comes to the opportunities of the world, then we'll say we'll pray about it. Are you saying not to pray about things, Josh? Are you saying not to, if I get asked to join the Life Kids team, are you saying that I shouldn't pray about it? I'm saying that if he's attractive enough, if he carries enough weight, you'll move towards every opportunity that you have to be close to him. So we need to switch from needing that external push to having an internal pull. But then we also need to make sure that the thing that is pulling us is the thing that has the most weight, that we're actually closest to the thing that is going to lead us to our ultimate destination. And the closer we are, the more beautiful He looks. Because you see, the solution is not just to go faster, push harder, reach further. 
And if that's what you get out of this sermon that I'm trying to say, just come to church, just give your money, then you've missed the point because that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying push harder. I'm not saying try harder. I'm saying find him more attractive. I'm saying put more weight into what he says and what he does. Give him the most weight. Now you all know that a good sermon has three points. And it seems as though I've made none yet. And we're right at the end. And a great sermon will actually address three different points within those points. They'll say, what do I want you to know? What do I want you to feel? What do I want you to do? And so if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you all three points at once. This is what I want you to know. This is what I want you to feel. This is what I want you to do. We're going to have that next slide up. I want you to simply have an open mouth experience before God. I want you to, when you look at Him, to not be worried about speed, not be worried about pace, but to simply stop and go... I didn't know you were so beautiful. I, I didn't know you loved me so much, not just once. I, I, I can feel your love. But just don't, don't I need to do, I need to do something. I need to, to write something down so that this week I can do something. Yes, this is what I want you to do. Be enraptured by him. Be drawn by Him. Get off of the push of the sin swing and get into the gravity of grace. Allow it to pull you. So, if you are taking notes and you want something to write down, here you go. The push of sin. We are pushed so that the glory of God is not honored. We are pushed so that the holiness of God is not reverenced, that the greatness of God is not admired, that the power of God is not praised, that the truth of God is not sought, that the wisdom of God is not esteemed, that the goodness of God is not savored, that the faithfulness of God is not trusted, that the commandments of God are not obeyed, that the wrath of God is not feared, that the grace of God is not cherished, that the beauty of God is not treasured, that the presence of God is not prized, and the person of God is not loved. That's the push that comes at you every day. And I think if many of you had to list your sins, you wouldn't list any of those things. You would start to just list, well, I did look at pornography, or I did do this, or I did lose my temper on the way to church, or I did do that. But this is the thing that will actually keep us from Him. He died on the cross to take away all those other things. But the pull of God draws us to this place where His glory, not ours, is honored. Where His holiness is reverenced. 
where his greatness is admired, where his power is perfected, where his truth is upheld, where his wisdom is cherished, where his goodness is savoured, where his faithfulness is trusted, where his commandments are obeyed, where his wrath is feared and atoned for, where his grace is amazing, where his beauty is treasured, where his presence is prized, and when he himself is loved. So would you like to stand? And I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to pray that anyone that feels as though that they have been distant, that they have let the things of this world pull them away from the one who should be at the center of everything, the one who makes everything make sense, where we've been pushed and pushed and pushed enough and we're ready to say, God, I'm ready to be drawn by your love. Then I want to pray for you. So would you join with me as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for the pull of your amazing love. I want to thank you that right now, There are so many people that feel distant, that feel as though they can't feel even the slightest hint of gravity pulling them towards God. But Father, I thank you that in your word, it says that you will never leave us and you'll never forsake us. That it said, as we read in your word, that you are near that you are drawing us, that the reason that you are here today is because God has drawn you into this place. Not by guilt, not by condemnation, but by love. So, Father, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Speak your words of life. Show us your beauty. Reveal to us the beauty that we see on the cross. But not just for 2,000 years ago, the beauty that still draws us today. Father, draw us, love us, enrapture us. And Lord, as we think about the fact that in eternity, things don't change that your love for us just grows as you draw us closer. That your service to us grows deeper. That your generosity towards us can be felt beyond measure. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house our home.